I think other artists should do what comes natural to them because naturally I am someone that thinks beyond myself and I want to make sure that people are good, people around me are good. So I understand that my music and my what I do is not just for me, but it's to help. And so that's why I'm comfortable with sharing those things in and outside of the music. A lot of artists aren't comfortable with that. So Manny Wells, you are, I mean, you're the epitome to me of a 24-7 artist. Even when we were first putting this together years ago, a lot of the concepts and ideas, you were the, the guinea pig. I was trying stuff out on you and a few other people to see what worked. And thank you for your patience while that was happening. Um, but you are an independent artist. You're 100% independent. You have partnerships. You you make a living as an artist full time. You haven't had a job in years at this point, or this is your job, I guess, but you haven't reported to work for someone else in years. So you are the example that most artists listening to this, joining our community, and who haven't even started out yet will be looking at and saying, how do I get to where Manny Wells is? How do I get to that? So before we get to where you are today, you know, obviously I know you, but tell tell us how, who Manny Wells is from like the beginning, not today, but like who is Manny Wells, the artist? Uh, from the beginning, from the beginning. From the beginning. <laughs> um, um, I mean, from the beginning, it's someone, I am Manny Wells, and I love music. That's it. I love God, and I love music. That's literally it. And then, because of my love, for those two things, I will go extra hard to learn everything about those two things. So that's where, um, that's the beginning answer. Cause I, you can't love, you can't be here and not love something or someone that's, you know, to not endure the ups and downs and everything that comes with it. So it has to, it has to be love. It has to be like, passion and if you don't love it you'll be out of it in like a year or two you know and this is what, 10 years for me since wow. my first EP yeah so I, at this point I don't, no matter what happens from here I'm, I just know I'm just gonna be doing this <laughs> so no, yeah so yeah it's love it has to be love yeah I love that. So yeah, those two have been consistent. Love of God, love of music. 10 years since your first EP. But you had been doing music well before that first EP. So so what's your introduction to music? My introduction to music from what I can remember is so for what I was told, my dad my dad's a musician, right? So when he was recording albums when my mom was pregnant for me and so they would always go to the studio so I've been in the studio since like the womb and like before birth 
And so maybe that plays a huge part of why I love music so much because I've been in creative spaces ever since I was born, but I was also exposed to like church and God. So those two things are like the biggest things in my life right now. And so, yeah, just being exposed to that. And then my earliest memory was, I remember going to some live music studio when I was maybe like five and just playing the drums. And then I remember auditioning for the choir and singing my dad's song to audition in Nigeria. I remember like, um, what did they call this thing? Uh, what are they? Uh, I don't know how to use this. Like end of the year. Like my school used to do these like uh, end of the year parties or concerts where these this kids will like perform and put on a show for their parents and teachers and everything. So I remember those and I remember always being a front for dancing, for like holding a microphone. All the teachers were always like, no, he has to do it. He has to do it. It's, it's like him. It's him. He's the one. So I don't know. I've just always been like in the front. And then fast forward to like high school. I came across a Ron Leslie video. And that was the end. I just said, I ran off the bus. I didn't even listen. I didn't even pay attention in class. The, the, I don't remember anything that was being talked about the rest of that day. My friend showed me a video of Ron Leslie. like, yo, you seen this? Dude is making a beat. I ran off the bus and I was like, it's a wrap. I'm, I'm about to make beats. I'm about to be a producer. And yeah, that just turned into like I, putting words to it, getting more comfortable with like my voice because it, it was... It, it didn't sound like it didn't sound American. So, yeah, that's like it. That's crazy. That's the story. I love it. So and the funny thing we'll speak to it later is I have a picture on my phone of you and Ryan Leslie that I took. Yeah. Uh, years later. So what was that feeling like you? you The reason you got excited, lost your mind and got into the production side of it, at least or creation side of it. Um, was a video of Ryan Leslie, and then years later, you guys connect and 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 link up. What does that feel like? Um, it's great. It felt crazy because that was that was the person I looked up to. That was the reason why I started making beats and producing, and started doing using like live instrumentation and being comfortable with being a musician, and then also being having like an interest in business, but seeing that in him and that combination was dope. So um, much love to Ron Leslie. And even like the other day, there was a call for like being some type of owner in like his company. So just being able to witness that too is crazy. And just seeing that anything is possible. Like you could really, like what you see on TV, especially with social media and the internet, like, you could do that in t times 20. So it was, it was, it was amazing. Like hearing him speak, meeting him in person was, it was a blessing. All right. So now we'll, we'll go. You're in high school. You sent me a video the other day. I'm gonna try to put all this in this video. 
podcast. So whoever's listening, if you can watch it, I'm going to show Manny in high school in a, in a band. Uh, you were in a talent yeah. show or something in PG County. So, yeah. well, you know, what is that like for you looking back? Like, obviously you've grown, matured creatively and, and sonically, but when you look back at that, what do you say to that version of Manny Wells? You got it. It never sucked. It was just different. That's the, like, you're the man. That's literally what I was. If I could go back, I'd be like, oh, you got it. I got, praise be to God, but like, I don't think even like my first beat does never sucked. You know, it's not something that maybe one would put out now because like you said, we've matured and grown, but it never sucked, especially for the time that I, that I made it, it made sense. And so when people would like, when I used to play my stuff for family and friends, they used to tell, like, they were never like, oh, this is amazing. It's just like, oh, this is cool. Like, like you got potential. And in my head, then I'm like, y'all crazy. This is the best beat. It's the best beat anybody has ever made in their life. What are you talking about? <laughs> but looking back now, it's like, oh, like, you, you've always had it. Like, this is what, this is what I was made to do. This is what I was created to do. Mm-hmm. And and you knew that early. So you obviously you played in the church, you performed in high school. Uh, and so now young Manny after high school, getting ready to put out your first EP, you are a student of Ryan Leslie. So, you, you know, you're on YouTube and you're seeing like creation of music, writing your own lyrics, recording yourself. By the time I met you, you were doing almost all of that. Um, what were your expectations for your career as a musician? I thought I was going to become the biggest artist in the world as soon as I dropped my first song. That was my, that's what I expected. And so, yeah, I think there's another response. That was all I expected, greatness. Like, this is the best music out. I don't care. Everybody has to listen to it. I thought as soon as I dropped it, the whole world was going to go crazy. And that was the Wells experience? No, nah, that was starting five. Starting five. Okay. Yeah. Starting five. So starting five drops. You're not the biggest artist in the world or even your city at that point. What's going through your head? Why? (laughs) Why? Why isn't everybody listening to it? Why aren't people moving? And that was what? 2012. Why this? Why that? And so other people, I see other people blow up or start getting a buzz, chance. And I'm like, why? How? And that's when I just dove into marketing. How, how do you get people to pay attention? How do you get people to turn heads? How do you get people to look? Um, and just, I just lived on Google and YouTube, literally. I mean, I still do. But, but now it's just more about like execution, execution because of all the knowledge that has been acquired and stuff. But then it was just like YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. Okay, how do, you, how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I put on the best performance? Okay, just practice. But how do I make sure people see this? How do I make sure people feel this? How, like, how, how do they connect? 
How do I turn a hundred to a thousand people? How do I turn a thousand people to 10,000? And so that's all that was going on in my mind. Just how, why, why, how cool. This is amazing. But why? And I've, and I always ask why for everything. Even when I feel like I'm gonna look stupid, I still try to ask why so that so that I don't look stupid. And you know, but yeah, that's 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 literally all. That's it. So so with that, uh, starting five comes out, doesn't hit like you wanted to. You're asking why. You're diving into the research. And what did you find out then? So not now, but what did you find out 2012, 13 about the marketing and the other things that go into being an artist beyond I have music, I can put it out. I expect it to be the biggest thing in the world. And I'm not. What what did you find out? Um, started noticing that was like blog era. That was blog era. That was like YouTube music page or pages era. So whatever artist that was popping, I would just like, okay, like who's posting it? Why are they posting it? And I would just try to reach out to those people. None of those people responded. <laughs> no blog posted me. For like three, four years, actually. I think it posted on the blog to like 2016. But by then, blogs were slowly not, like, they weren't even as cool as they were in, like, 2012. And same with those, like, music YouTube pages. So, yeah, I noticed that then was gatekeeper heavy. You needed this page to talk about you. How do they talk about you? You you need money and you need a publicist or you need to know the person. Well, I don't have any of those things, so I'm screwed. <laughs> so that's that's where I was that's where I was at. Okay, so how do we find money? How do we get money to do whatever we want? Okay, let me get a job. You know, so that's those that's like that's like the cycle. That's that was all that was in my mind then. And there's there's millions of artists going through that cycle right now. I mean, I get texts and DMs all day from artists who are ready to quit their jobs. Um, I had Kokai on last week and he shared his thoughts on it. I want to know what your thoughts are now that you've lived through it on both sides. If an artist hasn't blown yet and they're putting music out and it's not hitting like they want to, should they quit their job and go all in on the music or should they keep their job and, and wait until things start kind of figuring themselves out? I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. What I did was waited for the slightest opportunity to just make music. And was it? Okay, so I was working at the bank. So maybe what I saved, I saved up for two, three months after to hold myself for like two, three months. And which is when we were making uh, Sofro. So right, right around, yeah. So you, House, you guys just told me that, hey, like you have the studio for a month and you can work on the project. 
And I was like, that's all I needed. So I just quit. <laughs> I just quit. And then from that turned into like unofficial partnership. And then I didn't really even need to go back to a job. And my cost of living was still low then. I mean, it still is, but I, didn't, I, I don't really need much. But I think for people, like, what is, what, like, what is your situation? I think it's, it's situation-based. Do you live at home? Do you, how much are your bills? Are you okay with downsizing? If you live alone, or even if you live with your parents, are you okay with downsizing? Like, are, do you have a car note? Like, what, what, what do you have and what do you need? All you need to make music is a mic, a laptop, and a interface, headphones. Can you afford that? Do you have people that can put up money for you? Or do you need that job to help you save the money to go get those things? So it's like, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. The only thing that you have to be willing to do is work. Because when you have a nine to five and you still have to go to the studio, right? So think about this. It's 10,000 hours. How quickly can you get to 10,000 hours? You probably get to 10,000 hours in a year if you dedicate yourself. If you're not working full time, you I think working or not working full time, you could do it. But if you're not working, you have more time to do that. If you're working, you don't have the time. So you literally cannot bullshit. You don't have time to do. There's no time for partying. There's no time for girls. There's no time for chilling. The next 12 to 12 months, you don't have a life. The only life you have is just work. Nine to five, you only have six to 10, maybe 11, depending on how crazy you are. You're probably going to eat in the studio. If you're eating in the studio, then you can stay there, stay in the studio, you know? Um, so it all, it all depends. And then even because think about it, even when you get to 10,000 hours, you still got to keep working on your crap. So I've hit 10,000 hours, but like I'm trying to chase a million hours. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm on my way to a million hours where like, okay, now you wake me up. I can make a song in my sleep, wake up, boom. What does a million hours look like? I don't know. I haven't gotten there. Where like it, uh, I don't even blink, and the song is birthed, birth, and the song comes out. Whatever the correct English is. So it, it it all depends on your like situation. Like, what are you going through? What do you have? What do you need? Who do you have? Who do you know? Who are the right people around you to help you get from point A to point B? I I, I read a lot and. Researched a lot, looked up marketing. Okay, how do I position myself? One, how do I become the best creative? How do I position myself to be around people that may be able to help me? And then how do I make sure that I'm adding value to myself and those people continuously every day? And so those are those those thoughts are what helped me make the decisions to where I am now, where it's like, okay. I could quit this job because I've spent enough time creating and I'm in a place where people now want to help me. Okay. Now that they've helped me, like how do I had continue to add value to them? But if you're not like, you might have to just keep working and doing that nine to five. Like it, it's not one, was it one size fit all? I don't think that's it. Now I understand that more than ever, but both spectrums, you have to work. There's no, 
<laughs> you just have to put in the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good answer. Not one size fits all. All right. So we, we now are in the Sofro era. Um, you get the 30 days of studio time, which is a blessing, obviously, but earned. Um, you put out a, a really, really good EP. You have a little bit of a budget and there's some marketing and promotion behind it and some shows. And then you get a chance to go on your first national tour with uh, Jadena as an opening. Are you opening for Jadena? I want to say something. You said I earned it. I earned that studio time. Let me tell you how. I, I need to make sure I say it. Please don't forget your question. Sorry to cut you off. Um, artist Grant comes around. House Studios, you guys. Somebody... So funny. Such a funny story. Somebody at PG community college was like, yo, you, you know, we knew, I don't even know how we knew each other, but it was like, oh, like, good shit, that there's something going on, go artist grant, you should apply. I was like, cool, I wrote it down, I got home, so I said, I'm, I'm applying. I sat down there, I applied. It was a long-ass process. I feel like I did that on purpose to see who was serious. I did that shit. I sent it to everybody. The nigga that even told me to do it didn't even do it. I send it to all my homies. Hey, because that's one thing about me. I find something, I share it to the class. Nobody listens until Manny's like 20 steps ahead and now they want to catch up. But I never wanted to play catch up. I hate feeling like I have to catch up. So I did that. Artist Grant. I get into Artist Grant program. I'm like, oh, okay. Like I did the work to earn Artist Grant because I, like I said, I became the best creative. But then I made sure that I put myself in places that people wanted to help me. And then I added value to myself and the people. Artist Grant, I went in, I learned, okay, this is how it is. My eyes was now open to publishing. After that, I lost sleep over, okay, what is publishing? What is the breakdown of the industry, blah, blah, blah. After Artist Grant, I was exchanging my time for studio hours. I was picking up phone calls. You did made me do that. <laughs> Picking up phone calls. He's like, you're not about to get no free studio time. I was asking, what else did I do? Okay, I'm taking, sure taking out trash. I'm going to clean, clean all of that. All of that. I think I did that for like, yeah, I just got 2014. I did that for like a year. 2015, I'm like, okay, well, this, we dropped Wells. Wells is of this quality. My stuff is cool. I can record and send it to Jake to get it mixed. But how do I make sure that I'm in this space so that I can continue to have this quality? So then I started even learning more about recording, but then I was like, okay, this is how I can get free studio time and all of that. Cool, I'm just going to be in here, whatever. So I earned this shit. And then I think through that, everyone was like, Oh, this guy wants it. Yeah, I wanted it. And then the opportunity came to just be in a studio. It was just a month. It was not even like, hey, we want to partner up. It was just a month. I was working the job. Woo, woo, woo. I was like, look, I told him I had a record deal. I had no record deal. I told him, <laughs> I told the bank, hey, man, I got a crazy opportunity. You know, it's, it's a production record deal. So I got to go. They were like, oh, my God, amazing. I was lying. I don't lie, but I lied in that, that place. 
And then, yeah, that's how, like, that's how all of that happened. So people, people probably look at me like, oh, he got lucky. No, I earned it because nobody wanted it as bad as I do. Not, none of my, none of my friends, nobody, even to now, nobody still wants it as bad as I do. But now I just want it in a different way. So. No, you're absolutely right. I think Artist Grant had a hundred questions that had to be written out and sent in. We did it like that on purpose because that was our first filter. It was six people in the studio who had to go through every application and we went through every application, multiple, um, and, and graded the answers and graded the talent and graded their look and graded all, you know, all the stuff. And at the time, you know, we were funding it out of pocket, which is crazy looking back now. Should have gotten brand dollars earlier, but uh, we couldn't afford to have thousands of applications. We knew that for what we were giving, if word got out, everyone in the DMV would apply and there's no way we could go through every application. So we made it difficult and we still ended up with a few thousand applications. Um, but that's like the first filter for me. It's like, if you can't take the time to answer a hundred questions, you don't have the patience to be a successful artist because the worst thing that can happen is this thing takes off and now I need you to actually put in the work. You're not going to put the work in. So you did that. And then the extra thing, which I don't even know, I think I told you before, but you got a perfect score out of the artist grant. So we had a voting system. Multiple people got applications and we averaged the scores. And when we did it, you got a perfect score the first go round. So whoever got your application first, second and third, I think like three people got it. it was an odd number. You scored a perfect across the board. Look, sound, charisma, talent, all that stuff. Then we brought in people from the outside. So to make it so that it wasn't like favoritism, the final 20 people were voted on by people that we respected in the industry who came and gave their opinions. And that's when you did the phone call with Jake and we recorded a Zoom and then now gave us a chance to have a conversation and see who you were as a person. You scored a perfect again. So in the multiple years that we did the artist grant, you're the only person to ever get a perfect score. And there are people who applied for the artist grant who won it and didn't win it, who now are signed artists at labels, made big labels that didn't get perfect scores. So that always resonated with me. I think like the fact that man, like this guy reached out and has the attention of multiple types of people who listen to different types of music. Then your artist grand week was amazing. The music we made in seven days, some of my favorite music that's ever been made in any studio I've been in. And it was a stretch for you. I didn't know that at the time, but because you produce, record, write, do everything yourself, putting you in a space where you had to collaborate with a crew of people you didn't know was a very stressful situation. And you made the best out of it. You didn't complain. You didn't fuss. You made really good music. Some of the best music I think we've still made to date. And that was like, oh, okay. Because once I got to see you create after that, I was like, wow, this guy's really talented. He didn't need us in the room with him, but he made it work. And then the last thing is you featured on other artist grant projects. And that was like the, the last piece for me, which was six people got it that year. And I think you collaborated, you, you featured on two other projects or maybe three other projects. You should Nico and Boomscat. Boomscat, yeah. And you wrote or participated in all six projects. So even when we did genres that weren't even close, remotely close to what you were doing in the studio, you still came in and added value. 
So that's why, again, the reason the other people didn't get the offer of coming to help in the studio and be a part of the team was because you went above and beyond multiple times. And those are the things I look for because that translates in other parts of business. So yet when I say you earned it, you, you definitely summed it up, but I wanted to add that little caveat, which is like, you earned it beyond just like filling out an application and doing a grant and taking out trash and answering phones and moving studio equipment and doing all the stuff that you did. Um, you also stepped up big when you didn't have to. So that, that happens. So then obviously as house grows and we, you know, we have a little bit of money, you're, you're one of the artists that we picked to kind of be the face of, of this idea where we're developing. Um, and part of that was, again, we get a chance to, to go on tour with Jadena. Shout out to, to him and his team, Whippa, Mikel. Um, you go on a national tour. So you go from, again, you perform the church. You performed in the DMV. Now you're going on tour for the first time, like a U.S. tour, 20 cities, whatever it was. Walk through what that is first time for an artist. What is going to do a national tour like for an artist? And you went with a band. You didn't even go with a DJ. You went with a full band. No, it was it was amazing because I was like, okay, this is my time to show people that I am untouchable on stage. And this is 2017, so I've always had I've always had that confidence on stage. A lot of it is because of my upbringing and just being on stage so early. And the type of music that I was performing with my dad required you to be a good performer because you were singing for two, three hours, almost nonstop, sometimes four, sometimes six. We've done six-hour shows. And you have to entertain people because the way you get paid is by people spraying you money. They Define like, that for, from our American audience. What is spraying you money? Spraying you money is you get a bunch of dollar bills, the musician singing to you and you just, you place it on them. So you put the money, they're singing to you, you just give it to them. You're just, it's almost like a, almost like a, an offering. So in order, like you have to make people feel good in order for them to spray money. So I would watch my dad make people feel good and talk about their shoes, talk about their hat, talk about their friends. You do the, the, the husband of Davina, shout out to Thomas and, and Cooper, oh, Jaden, oh, they moved to Atlanta, Atlanta, like all of that. Like you really got it. It was like data. Dang, it was really like data. We would, we would, sometimes we would do these things where it's like me, I would go get data. Like there would be like maybe 20 women with their husbands, some, who cares? I'll get their names. I'll get the names and my dad would just look at it, it would have the paper and just start singing. And then start singing, start calling their names. And this type of music, it's like, this is, the, this is what Sunny Ade does. This is what K1 does. This is what Adewale Ayuba does. All of these are like legendary Nigerian Juju and Fuji um, musicians. Um, Obesiri, all of these guys, like, that's how they get paid. So my, we just call people's names and he, you just like scan them. Okay, they got on this. Oh, that perfume is good. And then you sing a song that you think. If it's three friends, there's a song for three friends. Uh, it's three. So like, let's say you and 
and somebody else go to a party uh, or that, that uh, you do mental money well they're probably like you know like all of these things that, that makes you feel good and you're like whatever yeah so I grew up doing that not just watching it but I grew up doing it and I understand it like I understand it to a T so being able to just step out of that and do R&B where they don't do that like no, like no matter what, if there's no music, I will continue to perform because there's nothing. Like what? Like white people came to our shows then, and they did not know a single thing my dad was saying. They were dancing though, and they were. Th- they didn't even understand the concept of spraying. They were spraying. So for me, going on that national tour was like, oh, this is just a little different. It's not. It's nothing crazy. I'm just singing my song. How do I make sure my songs translate to these people? What do I do? Am I dancing? Am I doing covers? Am I pulling them in with something they know? Am I switching it up real quick? Am I singing my ass out? Am I dressing a certain way? Am I looking a certain way? Like all of these things. So for me, it was like the greatest opportunity because I got to see what a tour looked like. And then a lot of artists is going to tour. Now I just, I paid attention to the front and the back end. So I was helping my team carry drums. We were having arguments and fights over drums, like with the drummer. I'm like, you know, like, <laughs> so like all of these things, was like it was a learning experience for me. So I made sure I soaked it all in. I'm really grateful for that experience. Nah, that was a game changing experience. I feel like even in my career, that was a pivotal moment because it gave me a chance to see all of America in a way I'd never seen it before. I traveled, but never by road, never at that pace. And I remember coming back and it was a few things that I I saw. I saw the real America and you know, that's a whole nother political conversation, but we saw what we were like, oh, okay, this isn't like what we thought it is. And then I also saw the smaller markets to me were the key. I was like, yeah, like New York, LA, Atlanta, that's that's cool, DC, we we got that. But, you know, Lubbock, Texas, uh, New Mexico, New Mexico, um, what, 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 Detroit, um, Ohio. Ohio, like like those fans appreciated the presence of live musicians in a way that was special. The energy in those shows, the 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 rally North Carolina, the the, the North Carolina show, like the energy in that First building was, I mean, it felt like a stadium in, yeah. in like a thousand person venue. It felt like there were ten thousand people in there, and it's because how many people were going to come to this smaller town and put on a great show? Yeah. So it, it it a lot of what I'm doing now is because I was like, oh, like you know, there are real fans out there, and the, although we worry about these huge markets, these 200, 300 people in these smaller markets, 1,000 people, 2,000 people, are, is the real lifeline of an independent artist. And that's the connection we got to figure out. And I saw you make that connection. We obviously saw Spotify numbers go crazy after that. So you saw the positives of the tour. I also got a chance to see the struggles an artist would have if they had to do that on their own. And and you spoke to it in like the drumming, you know, the issues with like carrying equipment and, and that. But talk about some of the challenges of managing a tour as an artist slash entity with, I think it was like eight or nine people with you on that tour. So like, what is that like 30 day run with eight or nine people and all of that? Um, 
Um, just being organized, like organ, being having an organized team, and you yourself being organized, and for artists knowing that you are the main person, but understanding that you're not the main person at the same time, because like without you, there's no show, but without your team. There's also no show, show. So, like, depending on how big or small you want it. Um, so, what we were doing was eight and nine people. We had the band, and then we had, you know, like, a role. Like, we just had, we had help with content. Like, we were big on content then, you know, like. But for us, you know, being on the road with the same people for, like, being for, like, two months is, was very uh you could tell it got it got to people and it became annoying. That taught you like, okay, who you could tour with, who's gonna be cut out of this, um, who's gonna be left out and even cut out, who might not get to go on the next one with you. But then just realizing that tours are expensive too. So like I'm really grateful for having that tour backing. Um, but when you think about it, it's like, okay, how can an artist get funded like tour funding to be able to do this and when you think about label structure that's how a lot of people shine because they're like okay well i need to build this fan base and i need to get on a tour but i don't have the money so the label is like well here's x amount of dollars we're just gonna take it out make this a 360 deal so sometimes i'm like dang like i get why people sign certain people that at least know why they're signing i get it um but yeah man touring is hard i think I think touring might be the, but touring could be peaceful if you have the right team. I think for the most part, we didn't have too many troubles on the road because we just had the right people. Like everybody is respectful. Everybody knew how to mind their business for the most part. Everybody figured out a way to give each other space, even though there was no space. Even we learned how to just be quiet and shut up, especially me because I started losing my voice, I learned about like vocal rest, importance of your vocal cords, and it's just not about getting out and singing. So it's like, even I learned how to sing better, how to perform better because I needed to, I needed my voice for another 12, 13 shows. So yeah, man, it's an experience that I would never change. And then the, the the ending of the tour, we drove from Seattle to DC in was it two two days? Two days, no two breaks. days nonstop driving ships. Everybody drove. <laughs> Everybody. I think when we were when we were going around the um the band didn't drive. Okay, because the band was performing, blah, blah, blah. but man, we say, look, we get home in two days. We drove. Everybody took. There was one time the drummer was driving, he was falling asleep. <laughs> I was in the rain. I was like, I'm about to die in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's just crazy. That was such a funny moment. I'm like, look, I'll, I'll take, look, you, those two hours were so quiet. Because in our car, it was three people. So if you're in the back, you have to sleep. Don't talk to us. The person in the front gets to sleep half of the time. Because the person in the front has to make sure the person that's driving isn't sleeping. 
that was like the shift and that was the rotation. So when he was driving in the rain and I'm like, what's going on? I, I, I stayed my ass up. I'm not about to die on the road. You know, talk. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what a what a that was a great that was a great trip. So that was what year? Twenty seventeen? Twenty seventeen. So that's seven years into your actual career. Um, just to give, again, if you're a young artist or on an artist team, you guys started out in the last couple of years. Manny's seven years into his career before he goes on his first national five. tour. Five. 2012? Yeah, 2012 I started. Yeah. So you're five years, sorry, five years into his career before he goes on his first national tour. Um, you come off that tour. Streaming numbers are doing really well. Uh, you now, I could see a shift in you in understanding the business. I think touring also exposed you to like being around Jaden and his team, who at the time he was under a big label, seeing the support, but also seeing some of the, the challenges he was facing. I saw like something clicking you on tour. After that, you really focus on structuring your business better. Um, your LLC set up, your publishing company set up. Uh, you now have fans, but you're not a superstar. You're still asking the same questions you were asking before. Why? Who's popping? What are they doing? You see the shift in blogs to social media. You were way ahead of that. I'll give you credit for that. You were telling me about TikTok when it was, what's the other name? It was something else. Musically. Musically. And you're like, bro, I think this is the future. And I'm like, yo, long, like, vertical videos of people dancing like that's what you're doing he's like yo i'm telling you bro like my little brother and them are da 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 fast forward you were right um then you also i think became more open about your personal situation so obviously you're an immigrant um it's well documented at this point no pun intended uh you're you're an immigrant who is a daca recipient and we we saw this challenge on tour we weren't able to cross the border to do the Canada show because we didn't know if you could return into the country with your DACA status. And that was the first time I think we we knew about it, but it was the first time it affected our business. Um, and you've become vocal of it. You've been a face of it for, for organizations. You've, you've been to Capitol Hill and, and done all this work. Um, for those who aren't familiar with the situation, walk us through what DACA is and, and how it's affected you. Yeah, um, so it stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And it pretty much just allows you to stay in the country and work, um, get a work authorization, get a social security number, and just do every, do a, do a, do things that people in America do, but vote and to be able to travel and come back freely. So you're not, you're not a legal resident. You're not a citizen. You're just, kind of allowed to stay here <laughs> and work so um yeah that's what that's what daca is and i didn't realize how much it i'm very grateful for it but i didn't realize how much it it affected me until tour like you said because we couldn't go to canada so i'm like dang and that's when trump was in office too and he was trying to actually remove it so i think by yeah by then he was like already oh, talking about removing advanced parole and all of that so yeah it's crazy so 
So you, you have that. You're dealing with it now. You've obviously released more music. You're, you're now streamed globally. You have fans all over the world. I see it whenever you get on live or even whenever you put out content. Um, and you still, even now as we speak, we were kind of crossing our fingers and praying that next week you'd be in, in Africa to perform and, and you just got denied again. So like you're still dealing with it in real time. What What's something that can be done to, to help with this situation? What can fans or someone listening to this do to help you and, and millions of people like you who, who are dealing with this? For me, you gotta help me become the biggest artist in the world. That is just the plain answer. Because if when that happens, that opens the door for, and that opens the conversation that, okay, this guy has extraordinary abilities. And unfortunately, people won't just see me and be like, he has it, but they have to be able to see it via the numbers, streaming, followers, X, Y, and Z. So I think that's the way, but also for millions of people, who aren't able to do that or do what I do? Um, I don't even know. It's just a it's just a prayer thing because the, the the system and the laws around this has to change and it has to get better. So there has to be a pathway to citizenship, you know. But for me as a creative, I have the ability to. Um, speed up that my process and my journey to a green card and um what's it called and citizenship if I'm able to prove X, Y, and Z like these are my numbers, this is what I'm doing, this is the amount of revenue I'm pulling in, this is how I'm helping the community, this is my nonprofit, you know, all of these little things. So yeah, that's the short answer. Just just help help the music grow. I really help the music grow. Yeah. And and again, one of the things I appreciate about you and we did it before and we'll continue to do it is you've used your music as a as a weapon or as a tool, whatever word you want to choose, um for this cause, right? You you've shared your music, you've done documentaries with BBC and and other people. Um, your your music has been uh, sung and chanted at at demonstrations. Like that's that's got to be super powerful because obviously every artist would love for fans to listen to and sing their music, but you have it tied to something that also is affecting yourself and and millions of other people. So speak to that. Like, what does that feel like? And and do you think other artists should should do that as well? I think other artists should do what comes natural to them because naturally I am someone that thinks beyond myself and I want to make sure that people are good, people around me are good. So I understand that my music and my what I do is not just for me, but it's to help. And so that's why I'm comfortable with sharing those things in and outside of the music. A lot of artists aren't comfortable with that. Or a lot of artists also don't even think that they have much to say, but to talk about the surface and normal things. Um, 
So for me, it's just like finding the balance between, okay, I'm doing what I'm comfortable with and I'm being honest with myself, but okay, how do I push the boundaries? What am I making music for? Am I making music to help people? Am I making music to get rich? Is this a quick scheme that I think I could get in and get out? You just got to know what you're doing. If I know that what I'm doing is music is, is just bigger than like what I'm brought to do on earth is even bigger than music. And music is just like the first vehicle and the first, first tool that I'm using to get there. So, yeah. All right. All right. So I won't hold you too much longer. The last things I want to speak about is kind of where you see the future of music. You've been an artist that has always kind of been a step ahead or like you said, 20 steps ahead a lot of times because you're always researching and always paying attention. Where do you see the music industry going and, and artists? What should artists be paying attention to and or doing over the next five years? Um, AI, but AI is going crazy. Artificial intelligence is pretty nuts. It's pretty crazy. What, what do you what do you think about the fact that I can write a song? I can ask AI to write a song in the tone of Manny Wells, and I could get a Manny Wells love song or whatever song written now. How, how do you feel about that? As an artist, as a writer, as someone who does it all, I don't know how I feel. I was thinking about it the other day. I don't know how I feel. I haven't sat down and thought about the positives and the negatives. I just got to get better. Because. Hmm. A computer would never be me. And a computer would never be Drake. So I just, I'm just like, cool, do it. But it is still never be me. That's what I believe. And no matter how close it is, it's still not. Somebody still has to like, maybe, I don't know. I don't know how deep. I'm, I saw a video about how somebody asked the AI to make a Drake song and it did. And it was like a Drake voice. Which is nuts. And it worked? It worked, yeah. It was pretty close. But I think as time goes on, it'll become the exact thing. But all that to say, I think even as all of these things are going, there's still going to be people that crave human interaction. So even if we're able to make songs quicker and put it out, it still needs to be sung. Well, I don't think we're going to go what? I don't know. I don't know. Like even as I'm talking about it, like we're gonna go watch an artist, like an artist. Because if you think about yeah, it, like, my boys now will watch Twitch live streams of people playing video games, which is crazy to me. But that's the reality of of today. Is like they're not even, you know. And I guess for my generation, our parents are looking at us watching cartoons. Like y'all gonna sit here and watch, you know, X Men and you know, Power Rangers or whatever you're watching, like, they're not even real people. Like, it's, it's drawings. So, you know, evolution happens, but I, I I definitely think the human part of it, you can't duplicate. I've been in rooms when you've performed so far shows that were intimate or large venues, and there's there's definitely a, a, an energy in the room that you cannot escape and you cannot duplicate. When an artist is in sync, when the audience is in sync, when the room is in sync, and it's just the right everything. Like, you don't have to hit the right notes. You don't have to, like, it's just a moment where, like, you never forget that feeling. I don't know if AI could ever duplicate that. Yeah. 
And yeah, and that's what I was saying. So yeah, AI is gonna be it's here to stay. So it's just how how do we make it? How do we use it accordingly and use it in a way that helps the world? Because there's gonna be negative sides to it. Um, Web three uh, ownership is continue is going to continue to become a thing within like creative, especially with Web three ownership of not just or oh, I own this music owning the data and owning the people the information that you have and Ryan Leslie has always been speaking about this and that's why like he created Superphone and all of these things like he was ahead of the game um, and I feel like a lot of reasons why I'm always ahead is because I pay attention to people that I feel are ahead so sometimes a lot of the work is already done and I'm just like oh here's the information but what else Middle class musicians are going to be normal. Right now, it's like a thing. Like right now, okay, you'll make six figures, and you're okay. Like that, a lot of people are going to start realizing that maybe I don't want to become a superstar. Maybe I don't want to become Drake, but maybe I just have a few people that can help me pay my bills, and I can take care of my kids comfortably and not stress about money. Um, so middle class musicians are going to be. It's going to be a thing. Yeah. I love it. I agree with all three. All right, man. Well, Manny, I appreciate you. This, I'm sure, will not be the last time you are on this podcast. We will, yes, we sir. will, your journey and my journey are intertwined forever. Uh, before we go, is there anything that, any advice you would give? I want you to think about 2012 Manny. There's a million, there's two million of them right now hopefully who will listen to this one day. And there's always gonna be a 2012 version of Manny out there somewhere, meaning an artist starting out, not sure, but believes in themselves. What advice are you giving to that person? Do not overthink everything. Perfection doesn't exist and nobody cares as much as you think they do. I posted a video about a flip scissors song to Yoruba. And Yoruba is a very aggressive language. And so the way I said it in Yoruba came off interesting in the sense that people were saying, it sounds like a curse on TikTok. That's only on TikTok. Everybody else on IG was saying this is fire. Some people are like, eh, but they get it. And some people are like, yo, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. Your people are gonna like it. The people that don't like it are gonna be like, uh, and they see that video, they're gone. It's like good, it's gone. I posted another video. I created a positive version, they were like, yeah, this is better. Oh my God, I like this. Some people haven't even seen the negative one. And some people have only seen the negative one and not the positive. I don't even want negative, positive, whatever. But like, nobody cares as much as you think they do. And even, yeah. No, yeah, even I'm learning like, bro, nobody cares as much as you think they do. Just do what you gotta do and keep it pushing. You know, so, yeah. I love that advice and I'll add on to it that, uh, you know, I've seen your growth. I've seen your your success. 
and you now are, I think are starting to see it even more. The one thing I, I think artists don't think about or consider, and this is speak to the middle class and what people think of you, is however many fans and super fans you pray for and you work for, for each one of them, there will always be one on the opposite spectrum. So for every person that loves Manny Wells, there will be one person that hates Manny Wells. For every person that loves Beyonce, there's a person that hates Beyonce. And and LeBron James, doesn't matter who you are in the world, right? That's how this works. And you've got to have strong skin if you want to be super successful and the biggest artist in the world. Because what, what is guaranteed to come with that is a lot of hate. You're going to get a lot of love, but you won't get a lot of hate. And where you put your attention, where you pay attention, is what you're going to think of yourself or think of your art. So like you said, you put something out and there's a group of people who are like, oh, that's cool. Group of people that's like, oh man, I love it. And there's a group of people that's like, ah, oh, that's, why would you do that? And wherever you focus your attention is where your spirit's gonna live and what like, what you either create a prison or you create a palace. That's what this is. Yeah. And that's at one fan or that's at a billion fans. Yeah. And, and I've seen artists struggle with this over and over again, where it's like, I'm seeing them in a prison and we know a few, together that live in a prison that people would look at their lives and say, Oh my, you've got it. Like, well, I want to be where you are. And when you know these people personally, they're miserable, but they pay attention to the wrong thing. So yeah, man, people don't think about you as much as they do, but the ones on the extremes, there's a one for one and that you can't change that rule. And if you don't believe me, go on LeBron James Instagram right now, look in the comments. And for every one, you the king, you're going to get, man, you ain't all that. Yeah. For everyone, oh my God, Beyonce's the best singer in the world. There's a she can't even sing that well. Like right. and it's crazy that they're so extreme. Like she can't be that good or that bad, but yeah. that's just how the world works. So yeah, I've seen you navigate it. I've seen you you ride the tide. I'm excited to continue to be a part of your journey. I told you day one, ten years ago now. You are a, a career, you're a legacy artist. And 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 the other reason I committed to working with you was when I asked you, I said, do you want to be hot today or do you want to live? Do you want your music to live forever? You said, I want my music to live forever. And I said, all right, forever takes a long time. Let's start working. And and so the reason we're 10 years in and still growing and still building, and I feel like still at the very beginning of what you are to be is because this is a lifetime plan. Yeah. And we, we could, you know, we could have pushed the button years ago to kind of make it hot and done some of the corny stuff and done some of the whatever to be on today but how many artists have you seen in the last 10 years that we've seen go all the way up and come all the way down in that 10-year period yeah so a few yeah keep being a, a light for for all of us manny uh keep you know being a, an example for the 24 7 artist community and until next time thank you my brother yes sir um appreciate you appreciate the platform appreciate the help the love I'm excited to see where like all of, where all of this goes. Uh, you already our stuff, yeah. You already know what I'm going for. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I already know. So I'm excited to see it happen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hi, y'all. Hi,